0: Mypatriotsupply.com:
1: What bothers me is the fact that Jen Shaw had the audacity to tape scenes talking about how she was targeted and her family was targeted because she's black, and made it about race. And that's the part that pisses me off because at the end of the day, if you did the crime, do the time. That's what I believe. or. Or find a way to work with the system. I'm not here to judge you. But when you, when you try to make it seem like you are targeted for being black, when black people are really targeted, we now are going to be questioned on, are they using race to get out of the situation? And that, Jen Shaw, is some shit I will never forgive you for. Stay tuned. We'll get into this week's juicy reality TV recap with Dustin Ross right after these quick ads. Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. Hey, Raindrops. Today's guest on Reality with the King is one of my favorites. He's a co-host of The Friend Zone and Holding Court with Ebony K. Williams. I'm talking about my friend, Dustin Ross. Dustin and I dish on so many things, y'all. We talk about Noella, who's the first black housewife of the Orange County, being fired off the show. Yes, not Axe Back. But being fired. So we get into that. We also get into his favorite reality show, which is the Love and Marriage franchise, and his favorite Melody Holt. Wait, 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 what's that? Oh my gosh, guys. Reporting live from the Reality with the King news studio, we have Jasmine Henley Brown with breaking news regarding Jen Shaw. Thank you, Carlos. This week's breaking news, Jen Shaw pleads guilty in wire fraud case. On Monday, July 11th, Jen Shaw from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. According to a plea agreement, federal sentencing guidelines range from 11 to 14 years in prison. The guidelines are only advisory and the judge could depart from them when he sentences her later this year. Wednesday on Andy Cohen Live, Andy said the following.
2: I just want to say, you know, having sat with this, uh, how do I feel? I'm upset. And I'm I'm especially upset for her victims. I'm upset that she lied for so long and claimed to me that She was an example of someone being wrongly accused. If you remember sitting there at that reunion and she was so dogmatic about it that I felt, okay, you know, let this woman have her day in court. I'm extremely upset about what she did. I'm also upset because, frankly, you get to know someone. And you get to like them. You know, when you get to have a personal relationship and you work with someone, you get to like them. You want to cheer them on. uh, And you hate to think that they're capable of this behavior. You know, we, we shot all season with Jen. And I have a lot of questions for her. And I'm sure the audience, especially those who supported her and stood by her, does too. And I really hope to get the opportunity to to speak with her and to ask those questions. Ooh, child, what a
1: doozy! Now let's get into this conversation with Dustin Ross.
3: Listen, it's fascinating, right? And 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 I believe wholeheartedly that she is the center. Of the new the Salt Lake City Housewives.
1: She's the force multiplier.
3: She is. She's the reason to watch. She is absolutely the force multiplier in that series. And this does nothing but add to the, the fascination of Jin Shah. That's what this is. This she is literally playing the game right in front of our faces, and it is fascinating to see. So if we wanted a personality that's interesting, if we wanted a story. Damn it, we got it, Carlos.
1: So she appeared before the the judge, Mm -hmm. honey, Judge Sidney Stein, in the Manhattan court at 10.30 Mm -hmm. in the morning. Mind you, the cameras were shooting this. So a couple of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City cast members were in New York City. So it looks like we'll be seeing this on the upcoming season. Mm -hmm. So she changed her plea to guilty to a count of conspiracy to commit why you're fraud.
3: It sounds like she, listen, that sounds like an informed decision to me, right? It sounds like she got a hold of some information that her chances of lessening her jail time because please believe she's going to jail like there's no there's no question she literally pled guilty to this and if you look into the uh, transcripts from the court proceedings you can see where she plainly admitted to and identified exactly how Mm -hmm. she broke the law right but let's get back to the interesting parts of this because we're not I'm not a lawyer you know what I'm saying we just watch tv that's how we know her ass how it is so
1: you're not Phaedra Parks Esquire
3: not at all, because she wasn't even good at being a lawyer, so I know I don't have a chance of being one. But, uh, I, you know, you never saw Phaedra. Fun fact, uh, I had a conversation with Cynthia Bailey before that Season 7 reunion, and I told her, if Phaedra Parks, you know, lights a fire underneath you, you just tell her to win a case, because we've never seen her do that on that show. And we got that legendary moment from our girl Cynthia, so let's be clear. However, um, you know, I, I definitely feel like it's so gin shy that the trial took place in New York City, right? That's so Jen she had to come to New York City for this high profile trial. Some of the housewives came, the cameras were rolling. Carlos, this is the stuff that that dreams are made of as far as the viewers are concerned. And Jen understands the assignment. (laughs) Yeah, not a dream for us, okay? Because we ain't in front of the bench, okay? We just watching it go down. So we're like, yes, more, more. And, and we love it. Genshaw, I, I just want to know what she was wearing. Because remember when she got arrested for all this, she had the braids and the mink poncho when she was coming out of the, out of the courthouse. And all of that was just so Genshaw. It just proves why she is the one in Salt Lake City. So,
1: Well, she's about to be the one out of 14 years in jail. So she finally pled guilty. What was interesting is her assistant, Stewart, who appeared on the show, he pled guilty first while she was still pleading her innocence, right? And everybody said that when Stewart pled guilty that shit was about to go down, it appears that Stewart allegedly had a lot of information on Jen. So it's not too surprising that she decided to plead guilty because her assistant, who knows where the bodies are buried He is the one who obviously pled guilty first. Well, I've learned in my years um, being around lawyers and watching true crime is you oftentimes make a deal with the courts in order to take down the big honcho. So in this case, it appears that Jen may have been the big honcho. Do you think that Jen knew exactly what she was doing and that she is not innocent in any other thing she's being accused of um
3: do i think she knew that there were some things going on as far as the business practices that she was involved in that were less than legal for sure for sure um, but i believe that jin sha I think she was great in the position that she played. I think there is another, I think it's above her. I think there's another head honcho that she may even have been involved with taking down, which is why we got that 11th hour pivot from her where she pled guilty to all of the charges or whatever was against her. That happened right in the nick of time. Like within minutes of her having the option to change her plea, she did. And so I think that may reflect you know, a, a bigger picture here that it's not just her at the top. I think there's someone else that she may have had some opportunity to kind of make her situation a little bit better if Mm. she was cooperating with. And then sometimes, you know, that's the way the deck is stacked against you. So I don't really think it stopped at her. I think it was a little bit above her. Um, But I definitely think she was aware that things may not have been the best. And I think she did her best to make sure they stayed out of the limelight. I don't know why she went on television, but, you know, she decided to. So here we are.
1: One thing that a lot of people are asking is, why do these reality stars who are allegedly committing crimes go on reality TV? Mm -hmm. And the question that someone like me get all the time is, do you guys do a background check on these people? So let me explain to you guys how this works. When you sign on to be a star of a reality show, there is a background check done on you. So there could be a mugshot that comes up in case you have a DUI. There could be a situation that comes up of you committing, you know, a simple crime like shoplifting, right? So those things come up. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when it came to things that Jen Shaw is being accused of, you're not going to find that in a LexisNexis or Google search. And what a LexisNexis is, is this system to where it uncovers pretty much your entire history being on this earth child. Your social security number, the hospital you were born in, and the doctor who slapped your bottom.
3: It's your permanent record they talked about when you were in school. It's on your permanent record, <laughs> but that's what Alexis That's what Nexus that is. is.
1: So no one would have known that. But the bigger question is, you look at someone like Teresa Judice, who I worked with as well. And mm-hmm. what Teresa and Joe Judice went through was obviously the uncovering of uh, tax invasion and all the things that she was accused of and that Joe was accused of. You know, the, the the thing with Teresa is the fact that she served her time. You know, in that situation, I do not believe that Teresa knew what Joe was doing. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't believe she knew. I think mm-hmm. she was a typical housewife who was sign papers in front of her because she trusted her husband. But... When it comes to Jen Shaw, what's interesting, though, is she really led everyone to believe. And this is the part that made me mad. And I want to get your opinion on this. You and I are both black men from Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And we have seen a lot and heard a lot. And obviously, when it comes to being black in America, you are targeted oftentimes just based on the color of your skin. Period. Point stop. What bothers me is the fact that Jen Shaw had the audacity to tape scenes talking about how she was targeted and her family was targeted because she's black and made it about race. And that's the part that pisses me off because at the end of the day, if you did the crime, do the time. That's what I believe. Or or find a way to work with the system. I'm not here to judge you. But when you, when you try to make it seem mm-hmm. like you were targeted for being black When black people are really targeted, we now are going to be questioned on, are they using race to get out of the situation? And that, Jen Shaw, is some shit I will never forgive you for.
3: Yeah, I think it was definitely um, a bad decision to kind of hitch her wagon to something that is so serious and such a real problem. Uh, with 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 literally um deathly consequence to our community i think it was not the best thing for her to do to hitch her wagon to that and if I'm being honest I didn't really now that we know and we're privy to her you know entering this guilty plea right which that's what we know what we know is that she entered a guilty plea um and said that in the in the court transit you know, transcription, she said that she knew what she was doing was illegal, right? So that makes me think back to the scene that she filmed with her mom. She did some sort of, she made some sort of major financial decision to get the resources to support Jen, at least on camera, um, with this case. And so that, those are the things, those are the areas where I'm like, okay, damn, Jen, now it, it's more than entertainment at this point. Now it becomes like an ethical issue or issue of your character, right? So it makes us it makes it difficult for us as fans to just do something as simple as rally behind her with support of, you know, we love Jen or whatever, a tweet or whatever. It's hard to even do that when you see that sort of dishonesty, you know, in your face like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to learn more information about this. I hope that Whatever the best outcome is for her, she gets it. You know what I'm saying? Um, And, yeah, it's just one of those things that's just cringy to kind of see when you think about that part.
1: Yeah, no, that was cringy. The fact that your mother gave you her retirement fund to help out her daughter, which we all know. Mothers are the greatest creatures on this earth. Like, they will do anything for their children. Yeah. But the fact that you will allow your mother to go through that knowing that you were guilty of the crime that they were accusing you of. Not only that, listen, I don't care what anyone says. I am a reality TV producer, and I I, I could spot some fake shit from the real ones. When she was parading around with those fake crocodile tears as she's wearing Versace... And she's having gone her Fendi. And she's, you know, rocking the Gucci. You know, she did not come across as somebody who felt any remorse. One thing about Teresa, which is why I think a lot of people were on her side, is the fact that she showed remorse. Like I really didn't know what I was mm-hmm. doing. I was signing papers my husband put in front of my face. And even when you look at someone like Erica mm-hmm. Jane, so many people mm-hmm. gave Jen Shaw a pass. Because she's a funny character.
3: Absolutely.
1: Because she knows how to give you a funny sound bite. But when it comes to Erica Jane, what's interesting is Erica Jane is not accused of stealing from orphans or stealing money out of these people who had a case settled and they kept the money. She's not accused of that. She's accused of being the byproduct of this, but she's not accused of the person. Who actually did the crime? But people read her for filth. Let me ask you this: Do you see the difference in how the public, and by public, I mean HousewivesTwitter.com, how they treat Erica Jane versus how they treated Jen Shaw before she pled guilty?
3: Absolutely, and I think it boils down to simply a likability factor. Erica Jane is not a likable character on television. What what has made Erica Jane a person of interest on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is her willingness to have these sort of reactions that are um, opposite of the way she presents, right? So when we see this rich. Housewife of an older wealthy man who, you know, exists within these spaces and communities. And then she mimics like the aesthetic of the black it girls and she wears like logo heavy clothes.
1: Is Erica Jane a city girl?
3: Um, She would like to be, but she's more like a suburban woman. And I think that is the realization that she's been faced with uh, as these case proceedings have moved forward. You know, so I think in her her quest to be, you know, kind of a a take no shit, you know, character on that show. And she leans heavily into her southern heritage and her grandmother who taught her how to be fearless and, you know, what have you. I think that kind of equated to the public. You know, not really embracing her in a way that they do a character who's more palatable, like Jen who simply makes you laugh, you know, gives you an an over the top, gaudy aesthetic to everything that she does and is involved in from the parties to her clothing. Um, And, you know, everything is just kind of over the top and entertaining. And that's the difference. So Erica Jane kind of rubbed the public the wrong way in several different ways. And people wanted to see her fall. Because she threw her wealth and, and her her uh the the lifestyle that she lived, she led with that. That was like her stick on the show. And so people wanted to see that crumble if it was not authentic. And unfortunately that's what we've been kind of privy to as this thing has moved forward. So I think that's why we saw a difference in the reception um as they both entered into these legal situations that were less than favorable.
1: Before she pled guilty, did you believe Jen Shaw was innocent?
3: No. If I'm being honest, <laughs> you know I'm going to keep it real, Carlos. No, I didn't. When I saw her, she was at a Lotto concert um, during during all of this.
1: Big Lotto, the rapper who has a song with Mariah Carey.
3: That one. Jen Shah was at a live show that Lotto did, and she actually got on stage and was dancing and twerking with Lotto. This is during this time where she's been, you know... Um, underneath where where she's been faced with these charges. And when I saw the way that she was living, to me it didn't offend me, it just came off as someone who was trying to have as good of a time as she could while she could. That's what Mm -hmm. it looked like to me. And so once I kind of saw that and some of the things that she was doing, the places she was being photographed at, she was even at, there's a bar here in New York, shout out to Lambda Lounge, uh, in Harlem, black gay owned bar, she even fell through there, you know, and was photographed <laughs> um, during this time. So Jen has literally been living her best life in the worst of times. And I think that that is what, you know, kind of clued me into the fact that there may be something to these charges. She's trying to have fun while she can.
1: That makes a lot of sense to me. So as we're watching her have fun, live her best life, go to these parties, twerking on stage with Big Lotto, with the Mariah Carey Energy Fantasy remix. And you're saying that in her mind, she was probably saying, let me enjoy life as much as I can because I know that I'll be going to jail soon. Even if I don't plead guilty, I know that my days being outside are numbered.
3: That's what I believe. That's that's what I'm assuming based on what I witnessed. Cuz otherwise whatever what other logical explanation is there when you know based on what you said during these court transcripts that you did this crime. You know what I mean? She said she was fully aware that she was um, selling these um, entities of little or no value to elderly persons over the age of 55. She said she was aware of that. So if you're aware of all that, to me, it seems like you did, you know, and I can't even say I'm mad at it. Because if you know you're going to have to do the time, if you know it's coming up, then go ahead and get it all out while you can, you know, while you're able and free to. So
1: So closing out on this, at the end of the day, I'm going to say this, too. There is no show without Jen Shaw. And in my Mm -hmm. humble opinion, just like when Teresa went to jail, the show was put on pause. Teresa is such a force multiplier that they put the show on pause until Miss Thing served her 365 days in jail. Because they knew, no shade, that Caroline, Jacqueline, Melissa Gorga, and the rest of them could not carry a show without Teresa. And that is no shade. When I look at The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, I caught a few episodes of season one, and the only thing that drew me yeah. to that show was Jen Shaw. She's a fascinating character. She's polarizing. And like you said, Dustin, she's highly likable. Do you think The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City can survive without Jen Shaw?
3: Yes, because we know that she will return at some point. We know that there will be some more information at some point.
1: Dustin, season 16.
3: I don't think she's going to give 14 years, Carlos. I think that she entered that last minute guilty plea in the 11th hour for a reason. So I believe that there is some sort of deal being worked out on Jinsha's behalf. The way that she was so descriptive and specific in saying what she did wrong in those court transcripts lead me, leads me to believe that there was some sort of motivation behind that. Um, money talks i think i'm not um opposed to the idea that their money came from somewhere else to kind of influence this and put her in a situation where they can get her back because it is such a, a big draw for the series we don't know what what who moved what chess pieces on the board mm-hmm. right to get us here but i do believe that the show can either go on pause like you said which would make the most sense to me It. If we have a window of time that will allow that.
1: If you don't think Jen Shaw's getting 14 years, how many years do you think she's getting?
3: Maybe she'll do two years of time and then get released after that.
1: So according to the transcripts, the judge told Jen Shaw, are you aware that you cannot dispute the, I have got the, the number of months, but it equal to 14 years. And she said, I'm not going to dispute it. Because he said, that's the maximum that I can give you. Listen, we know that plea deals are made all the time. I'll be shocked if she gets two years. This is what I think. And it's the reason why Teresa got one year, because everybody thought that Teresa would get a couple of months, because obviously she truly did not know, allegedly, what she was signing. But they gave her almost the maximum, which was the year, because they wanted to teach her a lesson. That's what the court said. They're trying to teach people a lesson because they don't want these reality stars or celebrities to get off so easily. so and listen, I, I hope I'm wrong i'm not I'm not trying to demand someone yeah. to spend a certain amount of time in no, jail. Yeah, but yeah. I think because she's a public figure, I think because she's a reality star, and lastly, because she's a real housewife, I think they're going to send a message to people. Through her, and if you're gonna put the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City on pause for 14 years,
3: yeah, well, they're gonna have to move on. Hopefully, they bring Mary Cosby back, right? If we got rid of Jen Shaw, let's bring Mary Cosby's crazy ass back. We can we can deal with more of her antics, right? Unless I also think maybe that for, maybe the housewife, maybe Salt Lake City is not. Because now that people know that there is an option to be a real housewife of Salt Lake City, maybe now the casting department can find some more interesting personalities who are willing to show their lifestyle off now that they know they can. You know, maybe this will work out.
1: It remains to be seen. Stay tuned for more of my conversation with Dustin. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is Reality with the King, and I'm Carlos King. Let's get back into this Reality TV Rundown with Dustin. So it has been announced that the first Black Orange County housewife, Noella, has been let go. Mm -hmm. Allegedly, because in her Aaliyah four-page letter, she stated that She left the show. Let me tell y'all this. Let me school y'all about these housewives announcements. Let me just call it that. Out of all the housewives who's been fired or let go or left the show, only a handful of housewives have left the show. And I'm going to tell you who those women are. Who left on their own accord? Bethany Frankel, Monique Samuels, Lisa Vanderpump, Dina Manzo, Portia, and that's it. So when a housewife tells you she left the show, she got fired.
3: Yes. I you know I appreciate people who are like my girl Cynthia, right? Who was an integral part of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, she mattered. To the success of that show and cynthia was very transparent about the fact that she was offered a friend of the show contract and she was ready to move on anyway and she just took advantage of that and as we see she's thrived post her departure from housewives continually acting did a successful stint, made it to the top three on celebrity big brother which nobody thought she was going to be able to do you know and and she's really proven herself to be to have a marketplace value in entertainment from hosting to competing on shows to now acting consistently. Right. I appreciate stories like that to me it's really whack to try to pretend as if, you know, you decided to move on NeNe when obviously, you know, you did not. And everything about the way the situation unfolded speaks to that being what the real story was. I think that there is something to be said about the integrity of a person who can say, no, we it was a mutual decision. They were ready to move on. So was I and look, the proof's in the pitting in the pudding post my departure. That's what I appreciate personally. So
1: and you know, like I said, when it comes to Novella, her and Dr. Jen Armstrong both released a statement at the same damn time on the same damn day saying that we're moving on to Greener Pastures, which to me is just the grass in your backyard. That's the only thing you're moving on to. And I ain't mad at it. However, Were you shocked that the first black housewife of O.C. got the boot?
3: Yes. And here's why. I thought that Noella understood her assignment as a rookie housewife on the Housewives of Orange County. um, And I thought she did a good job, you know, kind of dribbling the balls of personality amongst that cast. Um, I think that her feud with Heather was not forced I think it was like it grew organically. I just think that Noella's problem again, she just wasn't likable to a lot of the viewers for some reason. Now, what that reason is, you know, can be debated amongst, you know, the conversations that are having.
1: No, the problem is she was dehydrated. And one thing as a producer that I appreciate, look, I want you to be thirsty. I don't want you to be dehydrated, though. And this is the difference. Thursday yeah. means you will do whatever it takes to make sure the show is great. And I appreciate that. Like, I'm going to tell my truth. I think you have someone like a Winter Williams on the Love and Marriage DC franchise mm-hmm. who is an outstanding personality who gives everything to the show and it shows in the product. I think Noella should study Melody Holt. I think Noella should have studied Mm. um, some of those women who are naturally themselves and are great. So I was not surprised she got fired. But I was disappointed that, hmm, it could have been interesting to see what a second season will look like because I just don't think a first season housewife should ever get fired, in my opinion.
3: I do. (laughs) But I'm not a producer, <laughs> right? I'm just a viewer. I do. Certain people, like to me, Shamari DeVoe. Shamari DeVoe needed to go on Real Housewives of, of Atlanta. Um, Carlton on Beverly Hills, she needed to go. There were people who literally just one and done. So they had to go. There are also situations where those one and duns are a damn shame. Agreed. People like Claudia Jordan, right? People like Noella on Real Housewives of Orange County. Now, if I'm being honest, yes. I definitely saw that the the parched... Nature of some of the choices that were made uh, in, you know, Noella's wheelhouse. Um, but I just I think I just wanted her to work because I felt like the, the the fundamental elements of a good housewife were there. And I think Noella just needed to be a little bit more. <sighs> I don't even know how to describe it, but there was there was a disconnect there. It was. And there was something performative yes. about, you know, the way that we experienced her on the show. I, I definitely see it. I, just, I think if given the proper tools, she could have been a great housewife on Orange County. I do. And by proper tools, I mean a better cast, because let's be clear, how much can you do with Gina and Emily, right? Um, I thought that, uh, you know, and then her husband as well, I don't think that he helped her in any way. I think that the scandal involving him, I actually think that hurt her a little bit. Noella was so wild, it would have been nice to see her with a stable family unit to kind of balance out the antics. And I think that his unwillingness to participate in this situation kind of hurt her. So... You know, they did my girl dirty, but whatever, you know, and she contributed to that with her, her
1: actions. Do you think Heather DeBro is the cause of Noella not being asked back for another season?
3: No, because I don't think that with, I think that that there are other MVPs in the, in the Orange County, you know, universe that kind of are more um, valuable to the franchise than Heather is. I think when you have someone like Tamra, um, who's willing to come back and who we know can really be, she can drive that cast on her own, right? I think with people like that willing to come back, Heather Dubrow, while she has a beautiful home and a very rich, wealthy family, and her, I think her children are interesting, um, but I don't think that she is like an anchor for the cast in a way that she would have that sort of influence to say, you know, her or me, or I don't want to participate if she is. I don't think Heather has that sort of pull.
1: I do. You know what it is to me? You know, I think she thought Novella declassed the show. In my opinion. You know, I think she thought... Ah. I think she thought, look, I'm coming back on the show bringing my Nobu dinners, my Nobu chefs, mm-hmm. you know, to this franchise. Y'all had Kelly Dodd on it. She's not my cup of tea. I think Kelly Dodd is not on the show because of Heather DeBro. And I didn't watch the show's past episode seven, so I didn't watch the reunion. But the clip that became viral was Heather's sort of send-off message to Noella, where she said, if you and I get the opportunity to be around each other again, I think you and I would actually get along. And a lot of people took that as, okay, mama, you may be onto something in terms of Noella's fate. So because of that is what I believe. Again, am I always right? Yes. However, I could be wrong in this instance.
3: The only point that I would like to make as far as that is concerned is that while Heather Dubrow's lifestyle is aspirational, right? Like you see these things in his wealth. And the like you said, the noble chefs in the home cooking these dinners and all those things, that's great. But to me, from what I know of The Real Housewives of Orange County, it never was really about aspirational living. These were wealthy women because they lived in an area that was really expensive, but their homes weren't necessarily sprawling estates. You know what I'm saying? They were very everyday white women in that environment. There wasn't the like rich, wealthy lifestyle element that existed in, say, Beverly Hills. So I do think that's a value to this this cast. But when you have a girl who will literally will put on, you know, some some uh, wooden wedge <coughs> sandals like Tamra Barney, Tamra Judge, you know what I'm saying? And, and get in there, and you know, just kind of like give you that raw, you know what I mean, authentic.
1: Not the wedges. You know, that,
3: that's the spirit of Orange <laughs> County to me. You know what I mean? Like, they were never the 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 style <laughs> girls or the, you know, the wealthy, you know. They just was doing all right, you know, but willing to kind of get in that paint. So I hope that that is not why Noella left. Because if, you know, if we're tipping the scales, I've, Noella was more in inter- it. Heather was entertaining because of Noella this season.
1: 100%. The season would have been more of a flop without Noella. But let's move on to another first black housewife, and that is your co-host, Ebony K. Williams, who I had on my podcast. So as we all know, the Real Housewives of New York City is being split into a legacy franchise in addition to a more diverse franchise of the city. You being friends with Ebony K. Williams, do you think she will be asked back to the show?
3: Yes, I do. Um, I don't know whether she will participate in it, but I definitely think that per what they described this new um, reimagined Real Housewives of New York series to be, I think that she is literally the personification of everything that they said they were looking for. And I think that her being so that, as opposed to what the franchise once was, that's exactly why there was a disconnect between her and some of the more. Um, uh, Some of the more, you know, stale cast members on that show. Uh, But I definitely think that she speaks to what the new vision of the show would be. And I would love to see her have fun on the show with a cast of women who are her contemporaries and are her peers in the New York society. Um, Ebony is very well connected. You can see it and through the work that she does and in the way that she presents where you see her in the city. Um, she's a socialite. She is very heavily involved in all of the right communities in New York. And I think that they would be um, foolish not to include her in that. She's busy. So I don't know if she would even be open to doing it. And she also had an experience that, you know, she handled like a pro, but was that necessarily the most comfortable experience for her? you know, with the fans from that season. So we don't even know if that's something she would be interesting in. Um, I would love to see people get to know the Ebony that I know.
1: Let's talk about that because do you think that show represented the Ebony K. Williams that you are in real life friends with?
3: Yes, in a way that she's a principled woman who is very much governed by a sense of right and wrong. She is very passionate about um, fighting for Black people in this country, um, and she's literally done the work. She's an attorney. So she's done the work to be able to empower herself to do just that, and her work record speaks for that. So in that vein, yes. I know Ebony personally, so there's a comfort level of, of transparency that her and I have as friends, which, you know, you can only show so much of on television if given the opportunity to. And I don't think that she was given the opportunity to show that side of her because it was much more interesting to watch her do this work to help these women who some were willing and some were unwilling to unlearn these really bad you know, uh, ways that they have had. Um, and so I think that that kind of eclipsed the fun, hilarious side of mm-hmm. every that you and I both know. Um, and I think if given the opportunity, she would she would excel. And the people that got it, this ebby's experience on Roni 13 to me, if you got it, you got it. If you didn't, you just didn't. And you didn't get it for a reason because she was so um, clear and intentional with the conversations that she was having with those women. Um, it just was simple to me. And either you, you you were a person who found yourself uncomfortable in those situations. So you were turned off to her on the show, which I get. Or you were a person who was like, damn, you know, she is really keeping her composure amongst the sea of women who I would be cussing out. You know what I'm saying? But she was handling herself very well. So I would love to see her let her hair down and be the E that I know she is. Um, on Roni for the world to see. I think she deserves that, I don't think, especially since they did not have a reunion where she would have been able to answer viewer questions and really um, identify her reasons why, her intentions behind some of the choices she made on this show. She was robbed of that. So I think it's only fair that she's given an opportunity to to shine amongst the crest of women who she is more suited to be amongst. So, yeah.
1: And if she's not asked back, what do you think would happen?
3: Nothing. I think life would go on and she would end up on The View somewhere or on um, a panel talk show where she can use her expertise and her charm and her humor to, to kind of woo the world over in another way if she so wishes to do that. Um, and Rony, God bless the casting director, to so hopefully they get it right and find these dynamic women that you and I know exist uh, in mass in New York City. There are so many women who can make a dynamic cast, wealthy, connected, powerful, funny, smart, sexy, beautiful, interesting in general. Are, New York City is populated with tons of these women, and I see them every day. Um, so if not, I'm sure they'll be able to do their thing. And much love to the show, because no matter what, she still held that apple. And she will always be a real housewife from New Uh-oh. York City, whether the audience likes it or not. So hopefully we get to see her come back. And if not, she made her mark.
1: Let's get into one of your favorites, the Love and Marriage franchise, (laughs) because you love Huntsville, and you also love D.C. I do. So, let's talk about this past week's episode of Love and Marriage, D.C., where Winter Williams gave a Karen Clark Sheard, mixed in with Dorinda Clark Cole, gospel hymn about her ex-husband, Kevin. And the couples trip of it all. So let's
3: let's let's just speak overall about the overall about love and marriage, DC. Right. Let's just hit a few key points. Number number one, we're witnessing the birth of some reality superstars here because Ashley Silva was born to do this. Okay. She is a natural. She's fearless on camera. She is unafraid to have an honest reaction. Um, You can watch her, she's very, what I love most about Ashley is she's very, very present in the scenes. She's giving it to you right off the dome, she's not rehearsed, she is actually being authentic in these scenes and I appreciate that, right? Because it makes for great television. To me, she's the perfect balance to a person like Irena Tyler who is essentially a nice, she she is endearing. Uh, that, the scene when her and Jamie, her oldest mm-hmm. son, were at the car lot and she you know, became tearful talking to him. That was some real black shit, black mother and son shit that we witnessed. That was real. Those were real concerns she had for her family and it just, it made her personal story valuable mm-hmm. more than her having conflict with these women or whatever. Tasha is a great friend of the show, right? She's tapping in when as needed and giving us just enough. Winter Williams, I believe, and this is totally your call, but I believe next year Winter will be in the credits, in the opening credits of season two. Um, I, I there is no reason she has literally like danced beautifully across our television screens for nine episodes, right? Uh, we're looking forward to episode ten, the reunion, um, which I which she actually went live a couple of days ago and she was uh, she didn't really give anything away, but she said just enough for us to know that there are fireworks ahead of us at their reunion. I cannot wait.
1: Yeah, so tomorrow is the season finale of Love and Marriage DC. And then after the week after that is the two-part reunion. The first part is going to air. And Dustin, all I'm going to say to you is It is the coldest winter ever at this reunion.
3: I'm so ready. And we knew, we expected that, right? We kind of expected her to be the center or the nucleus of the conversations that would take place at the reunion. But I can't wait to see just how fast this thing spins. Um, Monique Samuels is someone who, uh, when, when we met Monique, I love Monique. I'm a Monique Samuels fan. And immediately I identified the things about her that made her perfect to be on an ensemble reality television cast like RHOP and now Love and Marriage DC, where she's even more comfortable, right? But she wasn't my favorite when she was introduced on season um, two of RHOP. She grew on me. And she, I grew to literally love Monique. And I was totally on her side in the season five divide. I was completely team Monique Samuels. So this redemption arc that she's getting, you know, leading this cast in Love and Marriage DC, I love to see it. Yes. Her and Chris are a beautiful black family with beautiful black children. Um, And they need to be viewed. We need to see those little kids running uh, in the Serengeti out in Africa. We need to see all of that. We love it, right? And I think that she was gifted um, in this cast um, um, more willing participants in the show, right? Because Arena is showing up, right? Ashley is showing the fuck up, right? Um, And Monique is able to kind of exist in a way where she's not infallible. You know, she's not without... Um, fault on this cast. She's definitely been pushing certain buttons and and, and flipping certain switches to keep the conversation moving. Um, But it works. And we get to see the growth.
1: Monique is a great anchor, bringing out the best, uh, you know, around her. And like you said, Ashley, and I said this to the audience before the show even aired, that she's going to be one of the most iconic reality stars in the world. Um, Arena's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Winter, like you said, Tasha. But Monique... Mm -hmm. Monique's eye for talent and Monique's eye mm-hmm. for making sure a scene takes place is, is the reason why I say this season could not have happened without Monique. Monique Monique has this very quiet presence to where she's able to move the pieces around. Yeah. Monique is like, I'm the anchor. She's the bone collector. She's the messenger. She's the peacemaker. She hosts these yeah. parties like Monique is everything, and I'm so happy you saw the intention of what I wanted to do with Monique on Love and Marriage, and that really was to show a different side of her. And yes, listen, there's always going to be haters, and there's people who are like, she talks to Chris Dirty, which we do get into at the reunion, and all I'm going to say is Monique Samuels gives a Maya Angelou-inspired declaration on black women and their husbands and when i say to you it gave Mm -hmm. me chills you know maya's book why the cage bird sings baby why monique is singing because i'm telling you it is going to inspire the people
3: we are definitely ready that that cast is really doing their thing and getting to know them has been great i've encouraged everybody i can to watch it because we're literally watching these stars be born Ashley Silva is was born to be a reality television star. She's at a place in her life where she wants something of her own. She's tired of, of just being Quick's wife, and I think she was upfront about that from the beginning. So this opportunity was perfect for her. Um, I saw clips from her down in Essence last weekend. She looked so beautiful, bone straight, long hair, you know, down to her hips, and she was being photographed with the fans like she's re- really she's in her groove with this, and that's what we want because that equates to an incredible performance on camera when it's time and it is authentic She, I don't feel like she's putting on or trying or thirsty or parched or dehydrated even like we mentioned she's in fact the opposite she's so real so I just I've thoroughly been enjoying that and do you do you, I get Sheree Whitfield and you worked with Sheree season one so you you get I get Sheree Whitfield vibes from Ashley Silva as far as her just being like a natural like she literally is perfect on camera in these scenes
1: oh yeah yeah Ashley Civil was born to be a star, but it's sort of similar to when I met Melody. Melody was born to be a star and born to be on television. Mm-hmm. You're also a big Love & Marriage Huntsville fan. Yes.
3: It's so funny because Love & Marriage Huntsville, we never watched—we didn't watch that show in the first season, you know, anticipating um, drama. It wasn't conflict-driven. We were fascinated by these black, young, entrepreneurial couples, you know, in this city that we were not exposed to previously on television— Um, That were doing the damn thing, living good, raising children. And sure, there was conflict, you know, but that wasn't why we watched the show. And so to see how these relationships, the stories of these relationships, to see them unfold, to see Tisha's growth, to see Letitia become much more um, self-aware as the time has gone on, you know, to now the fourth season, to see the dehydration of someone like Kiki, who will come on this show and simply wants to be on the camera, come hell or high water, um, to see Miss Wanda inserting herself. Miss Wanda's playing a bit of a dangerous game to me, Carlos, because you can see people like Melody and Kimmy. You know, Black people, we were raised a certain way. We just don't argue with older people because it's disrespectful, especially considering that that's someone's mama. You want people to respect your mama and you respect other people's mother. Miss Wanda makes it difficult because she brings herself right down to the ground floor level with the other cast members. And unfortunately, we end up with situations like we saw outside of the Madani uh, grand opening that, that's coming up. My one message, and I am a person who has been Team Melody host, actually Team Melody and Martell from day one. Martell has made it a little less, um, he's made it a little challenging to, to, to rally around him <laughs> with support, right, as of late. But Melody, this is the Melody show. I love Melody Holt, and that's just the way it is. That's the way it's gonna be. She is loving Mary Huntsville. This is her shit. Okay. Here's my thing. Melody right now, Carlos, is having a Nene League's season six moment where she is not being kind to certain people on this show that I feel like she should be. And I don't want it to affect her and affect people's reception of her on this cast. Melody doesn't have to be as defensive as she has been lately with people like Kimmy, okay? And with other people who have offered up literal, Kimmy has been so fair to her and still has been a friend to her per what we've seen on the show. And Melody is almost looking for and anticipating the other shooter drop in her relationship with Kimmy, and it's coming off as less than likable for her. And I hate it so bad because Melody is a person who was done wrong in all of this. And I think that she operates from a space of, hey, let's not forget, I got cheated on, this nigga had a baby on me, I had to get a divorce, and now you guys are nitpicking my behavior, but some of them are really trying to be her friends, so I don't want her to go down that slippery slope of, a straight, making herself estranged from the rest of the cast, still be friendly, still be in relationship with the people that you can, keep calling the shit out the way that you do, and you'll bat 1,000 for the rest of your time on this show, Melody, because we support you. We love you. We want you to win. I was so, seeing her host the show with you on OWN, you, you know, seeing her work outside of the Love and Major Huntsville universe, that's what we want. We love to see that, because she's got what it takes. Melody Holt is, without a doubt, a star. She has star quality flat out and she's prepared and ready for these opportunities. So I I just want to see her continue to have that sort of growth. And I also want to see her kind of safeguard her likability factor amongst the cast, because I think that's important. And I don't want to see her Nene leaks herself amongst this cast of characters. When Nene made (laughs) Cynthia cry. Go ahead and laugh, Carlos, because it's the truth. When Nene made Cynthia cry in Savannah, when she was questioning Cynthia's parenting of Noelle... We are the fans very much developed a side eye that has grown into a resentment almost to this day because her behavior has spoken to that nastiness. And it was so unnecessary, right? We didn't like seeing her do Cynthia like that because Cynthia was a loving friend to Nene and she didn't deserve that. I don't want to see Melody make that mistake. And I I believe that Melody Holt is astute enough and smart enough and aware enough of 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 how to move within this space that she won't let it happen. But sometimes you just need a little touch of love on the shoulder to say, hey, boo, don't do it that way because we love you. Make sure you're still being friends with these people where you can.
1: Isn't Dustin such a good time? And let's not even get into his voice. Hi, this is Dustin. And this is how I feel about love and marriage. Huntsville, you know what I'm saying? Like, Melody... Monique, Cynthia. Yes, Dustin. I, I, you know, look, I know y'all like to read me my high pitch voice, honey, but I can't go deep. Very quiet storm, okay? Late night radio voice. Yes, but all jokes aside, <laughs> I really hope y'all enjoyed that conversation with Dustin. It was so interesting to hear his take on Jen Shaw being a city girl, but now she's going to be a prison bae and I really do feel sorry for her. And it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City can survive without her. But I want to hear from you guys, okay? Thoughts? Opinions? Reads about my recap with Dustin? Email me at realitywiththeking at or leave me a voicemail at three one zero five nine three eight one eight eight. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, follow, and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at the Carlos King underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley Brown. We are also produced by Sierra Spragley Ricks, Engineering and Music by Marcus Ham. More
2: sauce.